0: From some of your favorite BJJ Mental Models coaches, including me. It's like having your own seminar, you spoiled little whippersnappers. So, what are you waiting for? Subscribe to BJJ Mental Models Premium right now. Get off my lawn and go train. Hey, welcome to BJJ Mental Models, episode 70. I'm Steve Blunt i'm matt clon bjj mental models is your guide to a conceptual and intelligent jiu-jitsu approach and today we're going to talk about staying loose yeah and tension yeah so matt had a A good comment at the beginning of this episode when we were prepping, which is that (laughs) everyone is probably more tense now than we've ever been in our lives, but that's not specifically what we're talking about here. we're living in a state of tension. (laughs) Constant Constant. tension. We're we're not doing anything athletic or to
1: burn calories, but yet we're just all incredibly tense regardless. (laughs) Maybe there's a correlation between the two. I think if you burn a lot of calories, maybe the tension is eased a little
0: bit. So... We're specifically talking about when you're grappling, making sure that you don't over tense your muscles or keep your muscles in a constant state of tension. Now, this is crucially important for a variety of reasons that we're going to talk about here today. Really, the main reasons why you want to avoid tensing up is first of all because it telegraphs your intentions to your opponent right and it also telegraphs your fear because if you're constantly tense your opponent will know that you're afraid and that gives them a mental edge additionally we're going to talk about how when you are constantly tense it burns out your muscles which is the other downside right it it is hard to maintain constant tension all the time and then the third reason why tension is something that you want to avoid is because if you're constantly tense then your opponent can more easily manipulate you and move you around, right? I mean, it's like the difference between like trying to pull and tug on a on a loose rope versus trying to pull and tug on a stick. If the lever is really, really tight and inflexible, then it's easy to yank that lever and pull the person off balance. But if that lever is always loose, then when you give it a good pull, it's harder to move the rest of the body with it. So yeah,
1: that's one of the most common things you could say about beginners is that they're just too tense and You know, generally, if people are kind of spazzy, well, usually they're over aggressive or they they rely on strength or speed, but they're usually always tense. And as a result, like brand new beginners who have this... tend to gas out really quickly yeah i just don't think their their heart can handle the the amount of well first of all the amount of stress and and decision making that's going on when they're so new but also just like the amount of oxygen that's required to keep that kind of tension in your body and then you realize as you go on it's better to stay relaxed and sort of uh, you know go with it a little bit more and 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 roll you know fluid fluidly rather than just meeting everything with force
0: yeah when you watch commentary on high level grappling or mma you'll often hear people say in a complimentary fashion look how loose that guy is he's so loose out there and that's a really good thing right that means that the person is comfortable and they're relaxed and that means that they're in charge of energy consumption whereas if someone is really rigid and tense it means usually that they're not really in control but also that they're going to burn out their energy a lot quicker and yeah matt to your point where you see this manifest especially is at white belt level and i remember when i was a white belt and a lot of the senior guys would tell me this and they would say you know you're 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 too tense in there you got to loosen up and they would even say that you know you're telegraphing because especially when you stand up with someone if you're doing judo you really notice this you really can feel the other guy being tense and if you've ever grappled with a high level judoka you'll know that they're not tense at all And, and that's one of the things that makes them hard to actually grapple with is because their arms are so loose and until they're ready to throw
1: yeah they're, they're not tense at all until it's time to be tense and the, and i find like you know doing judo for like almost a decade now i'm just starting to realize sort of what i should be looking for uh in terms of the feel you know because uh, you know i usually pull guard when i when i train i'm not a huge takedown guy but i do like to train judo and um it takes a long time to develop that feel when you're standing and it's funny like when you go with a high level judo judoka and you're standing you can really feel how they're able to hide their intentions and then just throw you before you can do anything and a lot of that is just they're staying loose until they can create an opportunity and then before you know it your balance is kind of broken and it's too late to to defend at that point that's
0: one of the most frustrating things when you're sparring with a high level judoka is it feels like they're not even trying like you're in there just hoping to stay alive and to them it's like they're, it's like their mind isn't even there. They're so relaxed. And you can feel that too when you're sparring with a high-level jujitsu practitioner. But it's much more subtle whereas with judo it's a good example to understand how important it is to stay loose because you can feel it directly when you're standing up with someone and i mean i don't know if this is universally true but at least for me standing up is a much more terrifying experience than being on the ground rolling around so to me anyway it's much more pronounced when you can feel how loose the other person is and then at some point in time it's like they crack a whip and there's a moment of tension and they route all of their force through that tension and it's enough to send you flying
1: yeah and not and not even just standing but like you mentioned on the ground um there's so many little transitions that happen in split second that are just you know constant adjustments to each other's tension and just small little like changing angles of the hips and little subtle subtle things like that are really uh that that's really what high level jujitsu is it's not these giant big movements but more just these little adjustments and yeah it, t- it takes like you know over a decade to really become a master of this and feel this because uh when you're starting out it's just you know you just gas yourself out over and over again right you just get nowhere doing that against someone who can feel everything that you're doing
0: yeah i think that that's actually a side effect of the way that people train and one of the problems with the way that people learn in class right when we go to most gyms they're going to teach you technique of the day, right? And that kind of puts it into your head that the way you do jujitsu is you like pick a technique and you do that technique and then you're good. But that's not really how jujitsu works, right? Jujitsu is a constant game of trying to maintain your alignment while breaking your opponents. And if you succeed at that, Then eventually you're going to get that sweep or you're going to get that takedown but you don't try to force a sweep or force a takedown you just keep trying to attack the person's alignment and matt to your point once you realize that you realize it's not about doing big explosive movements it's more about micro transitions and making constant small adjustments so that your opponent can just never get comfortable and one of the keys to doing that is just not to be tense like if you're constantly tense it's too obvious to your opponent what you're going to do i tell people that you know when they're starting out if you want to know two of the things you can do right away that will dramatically improve your game like don't even worry about techniques yet number one is stay loose number two is control the breath those are the two things that even before you get into the realm of <laughs> how does jiu-jitsu actually work if you can do those two things you're already going to be like light years ahead of anyone else who just showed up for their first day
1: yeah it's like if you're lifting weights or running your breath has to be like rhythmic and it needs to be controlled because if uh like if, if you ever go swimming you know you try and swim laps and you don't have your breath under control you get exhausted right and it's literally the the same sort of thing you have to train yourself to to cognitively do the movements uh with good technique and do it at such a rhythm that you you know you can breathe at the right time and also do it in a way that you're not going to gas yourself out which is it sounds like we're describing jiu basically exactly like, yeah i like to think about swimming just like jiu because yeah. if your technique's bad you you know you're going to exert way too much energy or you're not going to go very fast but if it's funny it's almost like once you find your technique in swimming it's like less is more yes you know the the more smooth your technique is the more uh, and almost calming it is the you know your endurance will be better and you will you will be a better swimmer in terms of like you know speed and whatnot so it's really important to you know sort of look at I look at physical activities like this now now that I've done jiu-jitsu for so long is when I try and learn something physical I try and think of like okay there's clearly the there's the best possible way you could do this like you know if I go ice skating it's not like I'm just going to develop my own way of ice skating and it's going to be really good there's there's ways to learn how to ice skate properly and then there's ways to do it you know, poorly. And if you don't think about always getting your technique to be as best as, uh, as good as it can be and doing things as efficiently as it can be, you're just not going to be a good ice skater, right? And jujitsu is the exact same way. There's uh there's good way to learn jujitsu and then there's not such a good way to learn jujitsu. Yeah, I agree with you totally. When it comes to efficiency,
0: whether or not you're tense is a really good indicator as to whether you're doing technique properly. I remember when I was doing, a, I think it was a blue belt test with a student. And of course, I charged him 250 bucks for the privilege. I remember that the feedback I had for him was that he was too tense. And I specifically told him as a pointer, be mindful of when you're tense, because that's an indication that you're not being efficient. A common workaround that people do when they're not being efficient as possible is they start relying on strength and so if you ever catch yourself being overly tense that's a good indication that you might be using strength when you shouldn't be using strength so this is something that i learned to be mindful of that i might be doing which was really helpful if i'm ever sparring with someone and i realize that my muscles are really tense what that could mean is that i'm relying on strength rather than relying on technique which tells me i'm doing something wrong and because i have no strength (laughs) to me it's really good not to rely on that aspect of the game
1: and uh also staying loose helps with decision making because you almost it's almost like you're taking a step back like uh in a in the third person and sort of watching what's happening rather than uh fighting off of pure reactions because you need a a balance of both in jiu-jitsu and i find it you know, at the highest level, you're going to get a mixture of both. You're going to get guys that, uh, are extremely tense, but only when they need to be. And they can also make incredibly like decisions, incredibly fast. So it'll be, you know, very relaxed. And then before you know it, when it's time to go, they go right. And then this is kind of, I guess the perfect blend of what you want. So, yeah, you know, if you, if you sort of take yourself away from that constant tension, it's almost like you can, you can feel more, you can understand what's going on more and you can make probably a smarter decision based on that
0: yeah it's almost like stepping back out of your own body it's a form of mindfulness if you're always constantly tense then you're in the fight but if you can take a step back and become aware that you're being tense then it's almost like you're viewing yourself in the third person and that allows you to relax and think about things strategically rather than being in this constant fight or flight mode
1: yeah and then and a great example for for tension versus staying loose i saw uh, a new video that ryan hall put out it's actually it's a new video on an old guard uh deep half guard which was sort of hot like 15 years ago it was really popular and he and it's it's nothing new he was just explaining how um proper regulated tension as rob would call it on the lever creates the deep half guard efficiently and if you lose that regulated tension um the the position basically falls apart so he was just explaining about how you know when you underhook the the leg that you're underneath in the deep half with your foot and you can uh, he's basically talking about extending each end of the lever so that you're sort of uh creating tension within the leg because if you if you can't do that if you can't control the end of the lever and then the hip with your hand as he was doing it if you lose one of those control points, then you lose all the tension and the guy basically starts tearing apart your deep half guard. So if you're going to play a position like deep half guard, as Rob has said recently that he gave up deep half guard because he's trying to make less lazy decisions in life. (laughs) He He was basically just saying that, um, you know, this is what makes the deep half guard work. If you don't have this regulated tension, you're, you know, you're just going to, it's just going to fall apart from there.
0: Yeah. Deep half guard is a really good example of where you can see staying loose in action. I mean, a a good example is the lockdown, for example, (laughs) a mistake that a lot of people make in the lockdown when they're stuck in the lockdown is they try to really flex their leg and, you know, just basically just rush their way out of it that doesn't work anyone who knows how to get out of the lockdown knows that the trick is you let your leg go loose like a noodle and then you can get it out relatively easily that's a good example too of where staying loose is important because if you're loose it's harder for your opponent to control where your leg goes so really good example of how staying loose can be critical
1: yeah or even like uh like compression locks like a, a calf slicer or uh and a bicep slicer. These moves are much less effective if you let your arm uh if you don't flex your arm as much, which can be really difficult especially if you're stuck in like the armbar position, like the spider web position, and then your opponent goes for a bicep slicer. That you know d- depending on your body type and their body type, that move sucks. Like it hurts. Um, but if you, if you really flex your arm and squeeze really tight as you're defending, it's going to hurt a lot more than if your arm just goes limp, right? So that's kind of something to... To think about is sometimes when you're in submissions it's better to relax tension and then the submission doesn't come on as fast yeah 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 that's
0: something that i remember learning as i started to get a lot of experience getting choked <laughs> is that when you're getting choked panicking and getting really tense is not the way to get out you actually want to relax because if nothing else it's going to slow down your blood flow and make it harder for your opponent to choke you yeah um, and you,
1: you gas out so much quicker if you're in a choke and you're trying to desperately get out because you're losing oxygen you're losing energy and i I also find like you know when you're choking someone you hear you hear a noise like a gurgle you know you're on to something right yeah you just if if i'm choking someone and i hear that noise i'm gonna i'm gonna pursue that as much as i can because i know okay something's on here like it is there
0: yeah although incidentally that's a fun way to screw with people is to start making gurgling noises when there's nothing
1: (laughs) just fake it (laughs) i always wonder like i've never seen anyone um i've never seen anyone like fake fake getting choked and then well i've seen brazilian tap <laughs> don't get mad at me that's what the common name is but like never anyone faking like going limp and then getting out although i did see i've seen someone play possum one time in an instagram video and then like they both stood up the other guy thought it was it was over or a reset the other guy just jumped on him <laughs> well that's a
0: risky strategy
1: that's because a risky strategy. yeah
0: because if the if the ref thinks you're out then it's done right it doesn't matter if you were faking it or not
1: he didn't fake going out i think he faked like it like the ref had called a reset but the ref never did that's and clever so it was clever and i was like that's not really gentlemanly but i guess that is <laughs> an, a, a form of mental jujitsu. really like he out outsmarted the guy yeah so. yeah 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 kind of cool
0: yep um but another thing that matters too when you're applying submissions common mistake that junior people make is they just crank it right like they they have what looks like an arm bar or a triangle or a choke or what have you and they just crank it but they don't really have it and what winds up happening is they wind up burning out all of their own energy and accomplishing nothing and we've all been there this is a mistake that everyone makes probably one of the most common examples where you see this is with the triangle or with the arm triangle where people just crank it with all of their energy but they don't actually have the choke and so they just burn themselves out and one of the really important things to learn is that submissions are not about power and tension they're about securing the proper position totally breaking your opponent's alignment and then at that point you're probably going to be able to do most of the submission without using a lot of tension, but the tension is just additive. It's, you know, you don't want to be in a situation where you're using the tension as a substitute for proper leverage. So generally speaking, when you're in a submission, if you catch yourself just cranking it as hard as you can, that's usually a good indication that you're not going to get it. And if you do get it, it's kind of a false positive because you might have just gotten lucky it's far better if you focus on breaking the person's alignment and then only start applying tension when you've totally got the submission locked up
1: yeah in in, in let's say um like a lever based attack like a, an arm bar or even a leg lock i think things are a little bit easier to follow with something like an arm bar because i think more people are more familiar with like an arm bar submission rather than a heel hook submission because not everyone knows leg locks right but but essentially to your point you know like tension is really important but um there could be a lot of tension but if it's not you know performing in the correct direction or if it's not applied properly then it's it doesn't really add to the submission at all like imagine an arm bar but instead of pulling your heels to your butt you're um you're extending your legs straight out so there's no wedge on your opponent's far arm and therefore they can move, right? Like the, you could have as much tension as you want, but there's a good chance they're going to be able to escape because you're not really taking them out of alignment, right? And I think, I think, uh, you know, you want to compare that with like say a knee bar or a heel hook. You know, you, you could, you could crank the heel as much as you want in a heel hook, but if you don't have proper wedging in the, in the correct direction with your legs, then, there's going to be no submission right and there's going to usually be a, a wide open escape for your opponent so it, you can't just apply tension and expect it to do it uh to compensate for technique that was a really good point steve you have to make sure that you know which direction the tension needs to go in you need to have their position correct and then if you do that all correctly um another thing with leg locks is like managing your upper body and lower body tension like you're so you're not cranking all with your arms and your legs are kind of loose but you're sort of uh, coordinating it's like a double attack where you're coordinating your upper body and lower body to perform separate tasks and that's how you really get the best finishing mechanics for for something like that
0: yeah coordinating your arms and your legs and actually your head is tremendously challenging but it's one of the most important things to get finishing power and um that that's actually a good example of some in some situations you do need tension and we'll we'll talk about that in a bit but you know we talked about how one of the reasons to avoid being tense is because it's going to save energy now if you're constantly tense then the problem is you're you're going to burn out right doesn't matter how athletic you are everyone has a limit and eventually your muscles are just going to burn out and at that point it gets very hard to defend yourself right it's very very hard regardless of how aggressive or athletic you are to mount an effective defense when your body just isn't responding so that's part of the reason why it's important to learn to regulate tension and to develop some awareness of what your body is doing and if you catch yourself being overly tense to use that as a learning opportunity that you need to loosen up there a little bit and focus more on technique
1: i saw lovato post a video on instagram he's like okay guys here's a secret to how i you know uh, up to train your choke and he literally does a rear naked choke on his leg and then he holds it and he like squeezes for two to three minutes straight interesting And, I, and I, I, yeah i talked to rob about that i'm like dude i don't really know what the, do you think this would really help that much like maybe in terms of, of rear naked choke when you're squeezing someone's head off but i really don't know if that's good if that's a good compensation for you know getting a, uh the proper positioning and getting Everything right, you know. It's that's literally training for like brute squeezing isometric force, but it is somewhat valid.
0: Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, the the more conditioned you are, the better off you're going to be. But I would not suggest substituting. If technique. you're a white belt, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I would not. <laughs> I would not suggest substituting technique for power. That is probably not a good strategy.
1: Like, I guess in terms, of in like Lovato's terms, like he's one of the you know one of the greatest, and he's got such good technique that i think that he can focus on stuff like that but if you're like a white belt or a blue belt and you're thinking how can i finish my you know how can i raise my choking percentage and all that stuff i don't think it's uh you know squeezing your own leg that's going to help you it's it's diversifying your attack breaking your opponent's alignment and and, you know more training
0: Yeah, yeah yeah i think once
1: you reach a certain level it's okay to to focus on your strength more than you know, when you're first starting out. Well,
0: we've talked about this and how at a very high level, you take any advantage you can get. And if everyone's technique at that level is super sharp then you want to have any other advantage that the other person might not have thought about and having just a crazy gorilla grip is something that is useful i mean if nothing else right like if you get a rear naked on someone and you don't really have it but you do have the strength and the muscular endurance to just squeeze for five minutes i mean that's something right and you can really make the other person's life suck Uh, i wouldn't recommend it as a strategy but it is an advantage right having crazy gorilla grip strength is an advantage so at a high level i don't you know i understand why that's something that he would want to develop
1: yeah squeezing the face very good very <laughs> good strategy actually very effective uh, in jiu-jitsu is uh, I've, I've almost given up on like trying to go under the chin right away i just mm-hmm. go across the face and then try and crank the neck until you can get get under the chin yeah it's I, like you're funneling into the into the actual choke by attacking the face i agree i mean i'm <laughs> so effective and you see it so much now in competition
0: yeah i'm not so mean that i'm gonna grind the person's nose although it works um but i agree that If you want to meddle, you would. Doing the old school thing where you try to swim your hand under the guy's jaw—that is just not going to be effective. Like I find it way more effective to try to force the person's jaw to the side, which opens up the neck. I find that's way more effective than trying to just lead with your
1: hand. Yeah, that's too gentlemanly.
0: Yep, yep, yep.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Go right over the bridge of the nose it's it is legit though because it, it really does stun your your opponent and they they have to react to that like they have to try and disengage that the tension of that choke and usually that creates a two-on-one and then they allow uh, it allows them to have a free arm to redig the choke right so, well
0: the thing is attacking the nose in that manner is not illegal you yeah. can you know and so but the problem is a lot of people don't train that so they don't expect it so if you don't expect someone to mash your nose and then suddenly you're in there and you're defending your neck but the other guy goes for your nose instead. But by the time you respond to that, yeah. it's going to be way too late. It it is a valid strategy, and it's important to train against that and to understand that you can protect your neck all you want. But if the guy gets at your nose or your jaw, he's probably yeah. going to move your head anyway. So exactly. just doing the home alone defense, where you put your your hands up to your neck, is probably not the wisest way to block a choke. Like you need to block the guy's hands completely. At least that's what I focus on doing now. Is I don't just put my hands up. I try to proactively stop the other person from getting their hand in place in the first place like i try Mm -hmm. to grab their hand if i can
1: yeah and i think what's really important to realize is you know we can talk about defending the choke like hand fighting but also just denying them the proper head position which we've talked about in recent episodes where you know someone's on your back if their head is not beside your head and not being a uh, a wedge that denies you escape then you can kind of use that to escape but if they have a, you know, a grip around your neck or your face and they have their head blocking your escape, then you're in a lot more trouble just because there's no way to get your head out of there. So
0: makes sense. So another reason why you want to be mindful of staying loose is to deny your opponent leverage. Now, so much of jujitsu is about gaining leverage. You're trying to grab a lever on your opponent's body and move it. And as in the example at the beginning of this episode, it's a lot easier to get leverage over something that is stiff versus something that is loose. If you grab the end of a rope and try to pull it, you know, you're not going to get a lot of leverage. But if you grab a stick and you try to pull it, you can get a lot more leverage off of that. And you should think of your arms and your legs like that. Where if your your arms and legs are constantly stiff, if your opponent grabs it and yanks it, it's going to take your whole body off balance, and it's going to make it a lot easier for your opponent to get Kazushi on you. Uh, this is ultra critical when you're standing up, but it's also even critical from the ground as well. If the person's in your guard, for example, it's a, a lot easier to arm drag them if they're being stiff, because when you arm drag them, their entire alignment is going to go out of whack when you succeed. So you can deny your opponent a lot of leverage simply by staying loose in most scenarios and it's very you'll notice too when you spar with someone who's really good when they're sitting there in your guard or whatever they're usually pretty relaxed and chilled out whereas when you spar with someone who is more new they're like usually they you can just look in their eyes and tell that like it's it's kill or be killed (laughs) Uh, but at a a more advanced level you do experience that more inner calm and that looseness and that makes it hard to off balance someone who's just sitting there in guard
1: that's like if you ever are partnered up with the brand new guy to drill and then you you're supposed to do a technique on them and they just limp noodle it yeah. and they just lie there and you can't drill the technique because it doesn't work it's like maybe that's how you defeat jujitsu in, in a real situation is you just just go, go limp. fetal yeah you just go limp and uh, i can't use jujitsu on you now <laughs> it's true though like if, if they're just limp you can't really do what you want to do you you almost need that realistic reaction for the techniques work. Yeah. <laughs> please do
0: not take this as an endorsement of the fetal strategy in jiu-jitsu but to your point it is very hard to get leverage on anything if your opponent just doesn't tense their limbs right it becomes a, a lot harder and part of the reason why kazushi works is when you off balance someone they have to compensate by posting on something right normally they have to post on an arm or post on a leg. and to do that they have to make that arm or leg tense and that's how you start the process of off balancing them right you'll notice that as you start to get kazushi and as the person starts to have to post their limbs are forced to tense up because if they don't they're going to probably face plant or fall on their back so that's kind of an example of what you're going for here because once those limbs get tense it's easier to move them where you want them to go
1: yeah staying relaxed is very important yeah whether you're standing or on the ground definitely really important to not give them the tension they need to move you around.
0: So now that said, we've hopefully instilled that you don't want to be tense in most situations, but you also don't want to just always be totally loose there are times when tension is appropriate you'll notice for example if you're sparring with a judoka when they go for a throw they tense just for like a split second um and you'll notice that when you are sparring with a high level grappler on the ground they're usually pretty loose but once they start to apply a submission once once they've got the submission they'll start to apply tension so there's a place for tension it's not inherently a bad thing but the thing you need to be aware of is that when you go tense it exposes weaknesses that we've discussed before right number one it shows your opponent what your intentions are number two it burns out your muscles and number three it makes it easier for your opponent to get leverage on you so you want to avoid tension but there is a time and a place to do it and using tension strategically is such a, a key part of jiu-jitsu so let's use stand up as an example and judo throws in particular because this is probably a very easily understood example of where tension is appropriate if you're sparring with a good judo or judoka you'll notice that they're very loose and they're very tense but as soon as they get kazushi and they're ready to throw they're they get tense really really quickly and suddenly and then they go and it's kind of like a whip cracking right they're not constantly totally tense all the time they're loose and then for just a moment they they tense up and they concentrate all of their force into a single moment much like a whip does when it cracks that's what you want to be doing um and so but the thing is that when you do tense up like that first of all you only want to tense up if there's ever a purpose to what you're doing like again you're going for a throw and this is the time to do it or you're going for a submission and you have it fully locked up Mm -hmm. second of all you only want to go tense when you're doing so in such a way that your opponent cannot exploit you So for example, if you do a judo throw and you tense up, but you didn't get Kazushi on your opponent and they're just standing there and they're totally fine. You're vulnerable. Yeah. If you tense up they're going to be able to counter the throw on you so you only want to get tense like that when you know that your opponent is not able to counter that tension and and similarly on the ground right if you get if you tense yourself up for no good reason it can expose an arm or a leg or make it easier for your opponent to to get out i mean an example of where you could tense up on the ground and it's totally fine there's that escape you can do from side control where if you can get into the guy's armpit you can put your hand in his arm and you can stiff arm him away and then mm-hmm. hip escape you, you know the one i'm talking about yeah. um that's a very good the seated
1: position one
0: yeah 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 you get so to a seated position. yeah you so basically you try to get to a seated position you put your your hand like a c cup in the guy's armpit and then you, you stiff arm him and push him away so in that case you're tensing your arm but it's okay to tense your arm and to extend your arm there because since you're pushing into your opponent's armpit there's no way they can counter it right you're pushing them away um if they can't easily arm bar you or, or take advantage of the fact that your arm is stiff and it's exposed
1: unless they redirect the frame exactly exposing the and,
0: if, and if that happens then you would loosen and retract your arm yeah. right because you don't want to leave it out there mm-hmm. so it is okay to get tense but you only want to do that in situations where there's no opening for your opponent
1: yeah if you don't have if you don't understand the concept of regulated tension something that rob talks about a lot like like i discussed in the deep half um example you're just gonna not have good lever control this is really important in in uh especially no gi when you're relying a lot more on the the control of levers to move your opponent rather than proxy grips like you can in the gi in the gi if i make a grip you know i, I can control the end of your pants and not necessarily have like uh as much tension controlling the lever as I do just grabbing your pants and being able to move the lever by proxy but if it's if it's nogi and I'm doing like a like any crab ride situation or wedge hook situation if I don't understand how to keep the tension regulated then I basically will just lose lever control right and sometimes I like in a crab ride situation just flaring your knee outward um or inward can be the difference between having good control on that lever or having poor control on that lever right uh, another example would be like let's say you're in seated guard like a sit-up guard and you have your in uh your shin like instep guard um if your knee is flared out then there's not going to be a lot of great regulated tension your partner is usually going to be able to disengage that frame but if you have like a strong seated guard with a hooked instep and then your your shin is uh pointing up so that there's a lot of contact between your shin and his there's going to be way more surface area covered and you're going to have better regulated tension and maintaining the sit-up guard so long story short you know you can really maximize how you're going to be able to control levers if you just understand how to actually the the term i use is activate the lever That, that was something after rob taught me about levers i was sort of thinking okay well even if I control a lever, that doesn't necessarily mean I have like the maximum control I can possibly have. Whereas if I, if I really apply what he called regulated tension and really focused on how to maximize that tension, my lever control, like basically you just become stickier. It becomes, it feels like you can, uh, everything's more grippy and you know, less chance of, of you losing that control of the lever without the gi.
0: Yeah. You're making constant connection with the person you're basically not giving them a situation where they can they can move to an angle and then there's no connection anymore because once that happens they can start to move on to a different position when you're playing a hook-based position like that like in step guard, it's so critical to always be checking the person's motion. You don't need to always be tipping them off balance, but you need to make sure that they can never move around such that you lose that connection because that's when they escape. And that's, that's such a key part of managing those guards where you're not really clamping onto the person.
1: Yeah. Think about like a single leg X. If you don't have that constant tension in your hips and your spine and you're pinching your knees, then the whole thing just falls apart. You know, basically tension is it, it, when used properly creates control. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: and another thing to bear in mind too is that if you do need to apply tension then like if you're trying to apply force to move your opponent don't just flex up and apply constant pressure. This is a mistake that a lot of people make. Like they'll let's say for example that you want to arm drag someone. What you don't want to do is grab onto their arms super flexed and then try to pull it. You know, it it should be more that you're loose and then for a split second you're not. Basically you're trying to compress all of the force into a small moment in time. That's a lot better than grabbing and pulling. Uh, because in addition to being telegraphed, it's actually just not that efficient um so that's a common mistake that people make too where they'll like grab on a limb and they'll just pull it and they won't stop pulling it you want to be loose and then compress all of that force very quickly and then you're going to have a lot more success with trying to move the person
1: and like we mentioned in terms of finishing mechanics if you ever have grabbed any well really any submission i like to use the example of like a, a, a a a gi choke you know, if you don't have everything in position and you go right to the finishing mechanics and you're squeezing it, nothing happens, you know, you can't, and then you can't make those adjustments later. You have to make your small adjustments first and then apply tension last. Definitely. Yeah.
0: Cool. Well, um, uh, I think that was a great talk on tension just to cover again what we talked about here today there's three reasons why you want to stay loose one is to mask your intentions the other is to save energy and prevent burnout and then the third one is to deny your opponent leverage and on top of that there's also a few situations where tension is okay one of the situations is when there is a purpose to being tense like when you're tensing up to go for a throw or when you're applying tension on a submission but you also want to make sure when you apply tension that you do so in a manner that cannot be exploited so for example you would never want to stiffen your arm and stick it out in such a way that your opponent can arm bar you you want to avoid that so tension can be used strategically it's not to be avoided at all costs but you just need to know what situations it's okay to use and what situations it's dangerous to use matt anything else you want to add on the topic of tension
1: that was a pretty good chat. I yeah, think.
0: I thought so too. Okay, so just to recap the mental models that we discussed today. Of course, we talked about staying loose, the concept that um, being overly tense can be used against you. We talked about microtransitions. Uh, it's very hard to succeed in jiu-jitsu when you're just doing big explosive movements all the time. You're better off making small constant nonstop adjustments versus big explosive movements. We talked about masking your intentions and the problem with being overly tense is it totally telegraphs your intentions and you can actually get away with this for quite a long time Uh, but once you start getting up to purple brown black belt level if you are telegraphing your intentions, your opponent is going to kill you.
1: (laughs) So I probably not going to get to the next belt. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So I think people get a lot of false positives at the junior levels because they can get away with this. But once you get up to the high levels, you cannot afford to telegraph your intent. We talked about mindfulness. One of the most important ways to combat being overly tense is to develop a mindfulness and an awareness of what your body is doing. And that kind of allows you to take a step back and look at your body the way like a third person would you know so you're not so stuck inside what's happening to you right at the moment and if you can learn to kind of observe from the outside what your your own body is doing you can become aware of when you're getting tense and you can be more calm in very stressful moments we talked about the core mechanics of jiu-jitsu so in this case lever control so closely tied to tension because the the tenser a lever is the easier it is to control we talked about kazushi when you get kazushi on your opponent and they're off balance they're going to have to post either on their their arms, their legs, or their head, <laughs> and that's going to require them to tense their limb, and that's how you ultimately throw them or move them because that tension is what takes away their ability to get base. We talked about force compression, so if you want to apply force to someone, it's better to do it in small bursts versus in big, long, protracted pushes. And probably one of the best examples of this is the way that judokas go for a throw. Right? They when they apply force, they do it like a whip cracking, where it's all concentrated into a very small moment in time and we talked about finishing mechanics so in this context don't go tense and you know use all of your squeezing power until you've already locked the submission you do not want to try to compensate and muscle your way through a submission if you don't have the person's alignment completely broken
1: Mm -hmm. and yeah i don't know if you if you said the word but basically what you're describing a lot there steve is kazushi in terms of how judoka you know off balance their opponent and then it's like a whip cracking they have a a huge explode of energy in a certain direction right um understanding how to create that kazushi from standing or from the bottom on the ground it's 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 uh that's gonna create a lot of disruption in your opponent's uh alignment and that's kind of what you're looking for And sometimes those push pull movements can they can take like three four five different setups before something finally breaks through so it is a lot like you're you know at the higher levels, it's, it's almost like you're trying to trick your opponent in ways just instead of, you know, using words, you're using uh, force in different directions. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like what they say, you know, if you push into someone, you can you can pretty much rely on the fact that they're going to push it back into. you, And if you pull them towards you you can rely on the fact that they're going to pull themselves back right so it's these are sort of how you're going to set up those push-pull reactions
0: yeah a lot of the time getting kazushi while standing up requires you to chain two different things together because people by default just when they're standing they have pretty good base usually the first attack is going to get them to wobble a little, little bit but they'll still retain most of their base but it's when you start taking into account how they will predictably post or readjust their balance that that's when you can really exploit them it's the same in wrestling too right where the goal is to get the person to take a step forward with a certain foot or to move forward or move backward and you can exploit and execute a takedown based on that
1: Mm -hmm. yeah wrestling is very much also it looks like it's just constant tension to the jujitsu fighters Mm -hmm. eye because quite frankly we're so fucking lazy <laughs> like if you watch two wrestlers it's just like nonstop, and it is nonstop tension but there's also so many little uh battles that are going on that we can't see where they're pushing into each other and they're creating reactions and then you know they they redirect the energy and get like that beautiful foot sweep or they get that snap down and uh it's it, of course it's happening at such a high speed it's really hard for jujitsu jitsu fighters to see that but there is also a um an essence of staying uh, relaxed and applying the tension in wrestling as well got it got it cool do you wrestling want to do it a- so much harder
0: yeah, it <laughs> is hard i mean i do love jujitsu because i am fundamentally lazy uh whereas i look at wrestlers and man like <laughs> the the level of effort that they execute is so much higher than what we do it is ridiculous and i, I think that's part of the reason why it's so hard for jujitsu fighters to deal with wrestlers is because they're just so powerful they're so aggressive they're so active it that kind of intensity is not something that you normally encounter in jiu-jitsu and i think there's a learning curve to dealing with that
1: Mm -hmm.
0: cool you want to do a question let's do it okay mailbag mailbag okay the gracie episode was great and fairly balanced i just got to spend three weeks off for staff Oh man three weeks so this letter came in before the whole covid things you're gonna you're gonna get okay (laughs) yeah you're gonna get a lot more than three weeks now though because we're gonna be off for a while I always appreciate your guys' balanced take on everything forgive me if you've already addressed this i'm catching up with your back catalog your guys's perspective has been big for me aligning my training partners help with how i learn i have a suggestion have you guys addressed competition jitters and anxiety specifically i've set a goal of competing at the ibjjf masters world's novice 2020 and winning 2021 again i think you i think your schedule is now going to be compromised yeah, a little bit but it's too
1: bad that you have that goal yeah
0: i appreciate the point though uh, frankly reconciling wanting you to do big things for my abilities but being a realist a serious hobbyist mind you is a learning experience so an episode addressing adrenaline dump for training especially Mm. for those prone to anxiety would be awesome Mm. i'm 40 and finally running at things that scare me my coach that's good yeah my coach gave me a real a rear naked choke that made him puke during training (laughs) Uh,
1: the, the the
0: coach choked him and the coach puked no 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 the coach so he's he's saying that he's 40 and he's learning to run at things that scare him and an example he gives is that his coach gave him a rear naked choke and oh. that made him puke during oh. training i guess because he was oh, anxious God. i'm working like on his coach <laughs> <I did. laughs> sounds horrible his coach will never do it again <laughs> okay. i'm working hard at managing my fight or flight ending showers with some really cold water etc but it's part of the journey keep up the good work so i think what this guy is basically asking is do we have any pointers for dealing with anxiety and jitters An adrenaline dump yeah so we've actually talked about doing a whole series of topics on uh, competition probably for the patreon listeners and this is something that i think we actually should probably do a whole episode on just jitters anxiety i mean matt that's something that probably you'll have to do most of the driving on because i'm i'm lazy and i sit on the couch um, although everyone does right now so it's not just yeah. me but maybe we can give the guys some some pointers or or some advice right now because this sure. is a very real thing and it's not even just about jujitsu right it, i mean people get anxiety and jitters when they do public speaking when they go for a job interview when they go on a date um today when i go to the grocery store <laughs>
1: <laughs> when i need to get ass white from yeah. the grocery store I, I
0: gotta put on my respirator mask and go to the grocery store i get anxiety um, so maybe Maybe we could talk. Do you
1: notice when you're out with your with your uh, wife, but especially your kid, it's like your anxiety is raised way more. Oh, like yeah. When I'm with my kids out in public trying to shop right now, it's like, well, right now, I don't think I'd even take them out. But no. Normally, it's like, you know, you're always more on edge because that Papa Bear mentality yeah yeah
0: over. we we actually stopped taking the kids out for groceries the way that we do it now is if we need groceries either we order them online or one of us goes out and does the grocery yeah. run while the other one stays home with the kid i mean it's it's, it's a weird time <laughs> yeah. but anyway let's let's talk about jitters Address the question yeah let's talk about jitters
1: yeah there, there, there's a lot to unpack there um because i think the jitters that are associated with competition and the adrenaline dump is they're two different things right like I think jitters is everything from during your preparation to fight day um, to right before you step out on the mat. That's, that's sort of the jitter portion, right? And you usually, at least for me, I don't feel nervous until it's like a few days out and then it starts to hit me and that, okay, now it's time to, you know, preparation is winding down at this point. You're just kind of, you know, resting and leveling out your weight and staying focused mentally. Um, the jitters don't really bother me too much until you know the the day of and then it's like okay now i feel i i feel motivated and i feel excited but there's still that level of fear right because uh gsp talks about in his book a lot about how fear is actually something to be harnessed mm-hmm. something to be used as energy if you can harness it but if you can't harness it um you know it can really take the fight out of you so it's it, it takes a lot of practice it takes a lot of um, you know mental preparation and visualization to be able to overcome those jitters and just realize that uh, you know everyone has it I have it every every professional athlete has those jitters it's just do you let the jitters um, you know affect your performance or do you use them to enhance your performance and that's all the great athletes have that ability to do um, in terms of the adrenaline dump you know uh keep staying just like what we're talking about t- today i think one of the biggest recommendations i can mention is staying loose that's definitely one of the the best things you can do to manage the adrenaline dump is not ex- overexert yourself too fast especially when you get to like black belt levels and we're talking 10 minute matches you know you can't go the whole match on a hundred hundred percent it's just v- very few athletes at the elite level can do that and you you just don't see it happen too often you know uh, you, you see people that are relaxed and a lot of the time the more experienced they are they'll they'll wait a little bit they'll wait a few minutes feel the guy out and then they start going and then by the end that's when they really start turning it up right so it is difficult to know how to manage that adrenaline dump um especially if you have many matches you know if you win a match and you put everything into it and then you feel exhausted and you don't want to fight anymore then that can take you completely out of the next match so it's, it's it, a lot of it is just you know it's mental it's it's conditioning yourself to stress management and being able to conserve energy when you need to and use it when you need it um yeah it's it's uh another thing like physical things you can do in the training room that i'd recommend to manage adrenaline dump of course the more preparation you have the more effective you're going to be and the more confident you'll be and confidence is a huge thing when you're going into a tournament so if you know that you're confident if you know that you've sacrificed and suffered and worked really hard for a competition then you should go in with a lot more confidence than if you just half-assed it right um and and that can work in the opposite way too some people don't prepare for tournaments at all and then when they go in if they lose they're like oh i don't really care i didn't really prepare for it all that's also not what you want to do if you do that you're really not a serious competitor which is also fine but i feel like if you're going to commit something to it you're going to put money into it you should probably do your best to win right that's
0: a form of defensive thinking there right where people are basically planning to fail like they you know they've already got their excuses lined up before they even try that's a form of defensive thinking so if you catch yourself doing that where you're intentionally Slacking off so that you'll have a baked in excuse that's not good and you see yeah. this in all walks of life where people basically minimize their own involvement so that they have a built-in excuse when it inevitably doesn't succeed you see this at, like at work where people will you know minimize effort that they put into projects because they don't think it's going to succeed so they want to be able to distance themselves from it before the bomb blows up uh and the same thing in competition whereas i think that a lot of people they hide behind that excuse of i'm just a hobbyist well you know what a lot of really world-class grapplers are just hobbyists <laughs> like that, that is just a label. It doesn't mean anything. You can still be awesome and be a hobbyist. So if you come in and basically you're saying like, "Oh, I'm a hobbyist." Well, you know, obviously I didn't train that hard. Obviously, I'm just doing this for fun." It's like, "Well, really? Like yeah. you you know, let let's put those excuses aside and do the best within the limitations that we have." I mean, because even if you're a hobbyist, like everyone has limitations going into a tournament sure your time might be time boxed so you can't train as hard as people you might be older and less athletic but like even the really really greats they have limitations on themselves like they might be going in with like a blown acl or something right or a really bad injury um, everyone has those limitations and you've got to move past those if you want to go into competition or do anything that is a, a like a pressure cooker environment um, another thing that i would add is you know i, I don't compete but I, I have a lot of experience in like high pressure situations um one thing that i would add is again and we'll probably talk about this in at some point an episode just in itself but learn to control your breathing what your body does dictates what your mind is going to do in a lot of ways if you can have like very very controlled regulated relaxed breath that will at a physiological level make you more relaxed it's sort of like how if you smile it actually makes you happier even if you weren't yeah. happy to begin with Like having calm, relaxed breathing helps a lot, not just in the fight, but leading up to and preparing as well. And this is the same strategy if you're going in for like a job interview or public speaking or whatever. The other thing is, is mindfulness, right? The reason you're getting stressed out is because you're thinking about something scary in the future, because you're thinking that in like, a day in an hour in five minutes you're going to have this big match and so you're not in the present moment you're thinking about the future and that's stressing you out now which will actually reduce your performance in the future Mm -hmm. so the the best thing to do is to focus on the present moment Um, like mindfulness training will teach you how to do this like find an anchor and focus on that usually breathing is a good one like if you get really stressed out focus on your breathing in and out and try to be very regulated and relaxed in it and that will help a lot so it's a good practice to do not just when you're stressed But at all times, learning to control your breathing.
1: Yeah. In terms of uh, physical preparation, some things that I like to do to kind of – I mean, essentially, you're describing being a glutton for punishment. But that's kind of what you have to do if you want to get used to that – that uh, adrenaline dump feeling is you have to burn yourself out you like i recommend getting um an assault bike i bought an assault bike uh last year and it was a great purchase because it just it really does simulate that feeling of your lungs burning in in a fight um and then you're just absolutely exhausted and uh, it can really get your heart going and then what i like to do right after i hit the bike i'll burn off like 10 calories as quick as i can and then if i have a partner available i'll jump right into a a session with him where i'm i'm really tired without any break and then that way you get that exhausted feeling it's like you mimic that that exhausted feeling in competition and then you're you continue grappling so you have to focus on your technique while you're exhausted um other good things you can do would be like uh mock matches you know um, like simulate the fighting scenario in the gym for if uh I mean I mean the best way to get really good at uh, dealing with the adrenaline dump is, is physically competing but if you can't do that or you've never competed before you could go in the gym and do mock matches you could do situations where it's like a shark tank so you're in the middle getting you know getting eaten by the sharks and then there's new fresh guys jumping in on you and there's always someone attacking you And then finally I'd recommend like, um, you know, like situational sparring in really bad positions. So Mm -hmm. if I'm preparing for an EBI tournament, there's a good, like, I'm pretty confident that I'm, I'm probably not going to get subbed in, in regulation unless I'm going against like a really world-class guy or me or yeah, that's right. But, um, happy you'd have to compete. That's true. (laughs) But, uh, but in, uh, EBI, the, the, my main issue with it is the overtime rounds. So it's like, You know, if you just practice uh just by rolling for your camp, then you're going to go against someone from Tenth Planet who has just practiced their overtimes. And then if they get it to overtime, they're definitely going to win because the armbar position and the back position, like you need to spend tons of time in those positions to be effective if you're in that tournament. So I'd recommend, you know, if you're going into an EBI tournament uh granted nowadays they're all combat jiu-jitsu which i think is unfortunate but that's another conversation if you're going to do that like really spend the time getting getting in stuck in arm bars you know if you're if you're going against a good leg locker spend a lot of time target sparring out of the saddle or out of 50 50 you know like really put yourself in that position because then if you get put in that position in competition it'll be more you know you're because of your preparation you'll be more confident you won't panic as much and you'll be able to make decisions um, at a higher level yeah, so, yeah.
0: yeah another thing that i would recommend at when it comes to jitters even beyond just the physical prep a lot of it when it comes to jitters is mental fear and i would suggest if you're going to do simulated rounds or simulated matches in the gym make sure that you have a lot of your people specifically sitting there watching you while you do it that's a good call yeah yeah because it's not it's not the even the physicality or the intensity that's scary. It's the fact that your ego is on the line. You've got a lot of people in in this case, people that, you know, record, you know, some of them recording you, some of them putting out on on YouTube, watching you possibly embarrass yourself. That's the scary thing. And that's all mental. That's not physical. So my suggestion would be, if you are doing that competition prep, make sure that you have your friend's at the gym watching you because that's the thing right like it Mm -hmm. you need to be comfortable getting embarrassed that's how you invest in loss is you let your ego die and the way to do that is to put yourself in situations where your ego will be compromised and then you get used to it over time uh, so I would definitely suggest that if you're going to do like mock matches even beyond telling people like go go at competition speed the most important thing is making sure that people are sitting there watching you and Matt you can probably you know relate to this especially when you were you know more junior and when you weren't the instructor uh, much like me when I was younger you know I noticed that when my instructor was watching me roll I would get I would roll totally differently I'd be like scared I'd be aggressive I'd make stupid mistakes because I was not focused on the roll I was focused focused on not looking bad in front of my instructor yeah. and normally i'd get my ass kicked because i wasn't paying attention to what my opponent was doing
1: <laughs> that's a real thing like it's like when i walk around the gym sometimes when people are performing techniques on each other they look up they're like and they they fuck it up and they're like ah this is the only one i fucked up it's because you're here right <laughs> yeah. it's that old thing but, um and but- that's Sorry, what that's
0: what you got to tell them yeah. though right like yeah. if if the presence of someone you respect watching is enough to fuck you up then you got to train your mind harder that's basically exactly. what's you going train on
1: your mind um it's like what dan said he's like there's there's really no difference between uh, training in the gym and competing if you think about it as as just another day you know mm-hmm. like you're gonna just do jujitsu anyway so it's just that you have to put your mind somewhere else where there's no crowd there's no lights the stage is is you know it's it's not a big stage it's it, it is all mental conditioning uh one, one more tip I'll, I'll say is like in mock matches sometimes if i'm playing the role of the referee uh we'll be keeping score and then when there's a minute left i'll be like hey gary I, I i'm the ref i fucked up i gave the other guy two points so now you're actually down two points so you gotta you know like now we're adding the referee variable like like maybe you got kind of screwed and you thought you were winning so now there's a a, a change in, in pace and now the other guy's winning so it's really gonna be up to you and it's gonna stress your system so little tricks like that when you do mock matches can really um add to your training uh experience awesome awesome well
0: i hope that answers your question and and to your point we're probably going to do a more in-depth series of conversations on specifically competition uh that's coming up soon that's probably going to be on the patreon so actually on that note matt i put up a poll asking what kind of topics people want us to cover on the patreon and run just the runaway answer by like a ratio of like four to one was game planning so we were talking about this earlier we're probably going to put together a multi-part series almost like a full course on game planning and how you create an effective game plan in jiu Jitsu um, that will be something that we put on the patreon for premium subscribers uh, as we talked about earlier you know <laughs> during this time the patreon has become critically important to keep the lights on for us so if you want to support us you can go to patreon.com slash bjj mental models again that's patreon.com slash bjj mental models the premium content is going to be coming up soon and it's available to people at the silver and the gold tears uh, matt anything else you want to add before we do the plugs
1: no let's do it
0: awesome you know on an episode about tension and staying loose we didn't make a single dick joke this whole time so i'm actually quite proud of us <laughs> you know it's because rob's not here if he were here he could not have helped himself i'm sure of it oh yeah and talk about Ari. Definitely, definitely. That's another He's got like this weird fixation with Ari. I mean, I I think for us Ari's more of an amusement, but to like Rob, it's like it's like his Moby Dick basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway to support the show of course the best way to do it is on the patreon as we mentioned earlier you can also go to bjjmentalmodels.com that's where if you want to learn more about the concepts we've talked about here on the show we've got a full database of these concepts that we described there if you want to support us in ways other than the patreon you can go to bjjmentalmodels.com slash store from there we've got gi patches we've got t-shirts available for you you can go to join that's where you can sign up for our mailing list where we provide additional content beyond what we offer on the show Uh, and of course you can also go to the instagram or the facebook which is where you can follow what we're up to you can reach out to us and you can also reach out to us through the website as well so good chat matt i'm i'm feeling pretty loose right now
1: Staying loose staying loose it's all there is to do when you're trapped at home (laughs) that's true anybody else drinking a lot during this time
0: (laughs) i uh i think it's not just you i saw an article in the news today that basically said that like people are warning that you know drinking is not a good strategy for coping with quarantine so clearly this is a real thing you know i'm surprised there has not been a run on the liquor stores you know everyone's so busy stocking up on things like toilet paper and hand sanitizer i don't know about you but if i'm going to be locked in my house for months it's going to be alcohol that i want to stock up on
1: yeah i've actually heard um i've actually heard that liquor sales have been way up and i guess it's just because of the idle hands right yeah (laughs) Yeah.
0: all right guys well take care and uh, you know again be careful out there um you know take care with your loved ones and of course we're here for you if you need us if you've got any questions as always please do reach out we always respond so happy to hear from you
1: thanks for the lesson guys stay loose